You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios, the local, the state, the national, man, we cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hour number two, we're in the first part of the Triple Dipper. I'm calling it Raising the Roof. We're talking about the debt ceiling. That's a little play on words there. Uh, I'm going to go to the phones here in one second, but I got to tell you, I had some great texts come in. Uh, Rita from Scottsboro. She says, I apologize if I'm missing something here, but the House holds the purse strings. If Biden doesn't want to negotiate, then so be it. He gets no money. If a child doesn't do his chores, he doesn't get an allowance. Neither should Biden. Yeah, it's, it's not quite. I wish it was that simplistic, Rita. The bottom line is uh, what they're looking at is paying off of what's already been legislated into action in the past. It's not like they're talking about new spending. They're talking about what's already in the law. So when they pass a budget in the past, whether the current Congress likes it or not, it's considered a legislative matter enacted by law, signed by the president. And by law, they can't just say no. They have to actually have an agreement to legislate a cut. Um, so so that's it's like a contract. You can't sign a contract and then decide not to pay. The law has something to say about that. So that's that's the deal there, Rita. Hey, let me go to the phones. Uh, Justin Bogey, uh, Justin and I have known each other for several years. I mean, he's a fiscal analyst, uh, bar none. He spent time at the Heritage Foundation. He spent time working in Montgomery at the Legislative Fiscal Office for the state of Alabama. He even spent time up on the Hill. Uh, for the last several years, he's been with the Alabama Policy Institute as a fiscal analyst and now also a fiscal reporter with 1819 News. So without further ado, Justin Bogey, how you doing, man? Hey, Phil, doing well. It's good to be with you again. Good to be with you. Hey, um, listen, you, you heard my intro there, and I know you know what the topic is because uh, we texted back and forth. But um, talk about the debt ceiling. Let me ask you this. Is it going to be fiscal Armageddon? Is the world going to collapse? Uh, what, what's, 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 your, what's your thought on this? Well, in the short term, you know, I would say no. But, but we already have seen some, some pushback on this. Um, the the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about a thousand points this week. Heading into today, it rebounded a little bit today. Um, but but some of that's a reaction to this news that we've reached the debt limit. Um, now, in the shorter term, you know, moving forward, uh, there's certain things the Treasury can do to make sure we don't default on our debt. They can prioritize payments. They can, uh, you know, they'll have some receipts coming in. Obviously, when income taxes are, are due here in a couple of months. Uh, so in the short term, you know, they can do some things to kind of mitigate the impacts of this. But the closer we get, they're saying June, early June right now is that actual date when we could potentially default. Uh, the closer we get to that, I think the more we're going to see. Uh, we saw this similar situation back in 2011, and really the results weren't good, and some, some bad things certainly happened. Yeah. Where, where were you in 2011? Were you on the Hill then, or were, were you at Heritage? Where were you? That was I was in D.C., but that was right before I, I went to work for the House Budget Committee. Um, but so, so I kind of missed the, the last big, you know, really big negotiation and, and actually some good things came out of the 2011 uh, yeah. debt limit debate. Um, but, but again, you know, we really did get close to the deadline that time we saw our credit rating, uh, downgraded by, uh, standard and fours, uh, the markets kind of went to a frenzy and a lot of people lost money from their 401ks and retirement plans. Um, so it's serious business. And, and, you know, I think for maybe the first time since 2011, uh, this, this could get closer to that brink. There, there really is a real uh, threat of, of defaulting if both sides dig their heels in. 
Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out and, and what happens. It's a big test for uh, the, the newly elected speaker, Kevin McCarthy, since he promised a lot of the people who, who voted for him that, that he would not do a debt limit increase without spending cuts. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Well, it will, and uh, it's brakesmanship, and he's it's, it's, it's definitely got to be a cat herder because he doesn't have the luxury of having – like John Boehner was, uh, I think, uh, the, the speaker back when that, that 2011 uh, debate took place, and he, uh, he had a uh, 240-seat majority at the time. Kevin McCarthy's got 222, so he doesn't have as much right, to work believe, with. Yeah, and I believe at the time the Republicans controlled the uh, Senate as well, so there's a little bit of a different dynamic this time with uh, – you know, different parties controlling Congress and, and, you know, President Obama at the time, he, he really had fewer options since the whole, uh, whole of Congress was, was against him. So uh, the dynamics are a little different this time. And, you know, it's going to be interesting what, what McCarthy does because he really doesn't need those, you know, 15 or 20 people who kind of the holdouts and, and voting for him to, uh, he doesn't need their vote to increase the debt limit. He could get Democrats to help him. Um, but, but will he be willing to? Yeah, I and mean, that would certainly go back on the promises he's made uh, in order to become speaker. Is that he would go down that road? Um, I mean, there's going to be bipartisanship Absolutely. on something. They could yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, yeah. so so let, here's here's my question, um, and I think you said some of it a moment ago. If we choose to default and just not make payments in order to try and force a change in you know government spending. At the same time, that does have very negative ramifications. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a real catch twenty two. You're you're danged if you do and danged if you don't. And and you want to be a conservative. You want to cut the spending. If the Democrats and the Senate and the moderates and the Biden administration, if they won't cut spending, and you hold out and and go into default, then like you said, it does affect the markets. It does affect the international markets. It affects people's portfolios. All that gets hit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's really an interesting situation because conservatives and a lot of Americans want good policy change, but are you willing to default for it? But, yeah, you're right. Some of the things you could see, we've already mentioned, uh, the stock market will react. The fact that the dollar is really the global currency, it'll send international markets into a frenzy. Um, the credit down rating, if our uh, credit rating gets downgraded, then uh, it becomes more expensive to borrow money, and that's not just for the government. That's for all of us. You're, we've already seen rising interest rates. That would get worse. It would be harder for businesses to uh, borrow money. And then kind of further down the road, you know, or, or, or another impact of it, Social Security and Medicare, those, are, those make up about a third of federal spending. So if the federal government can't borrow money to pay those obligations, then you could uh, potentially see a delay in Social Security, Medicare, uh, payments and and there could be a cut to benefits. The same with some of these veterans programs, the SNAP program, um, and you know they're already talking about it. And the lead up to it, one step they may take is to stop reinvesting uh, interest from federal pension funds. So uh, there could be kind of a temporary slowdown in in federal employees' retirement plans, which you know they, they're obviously not going to be happy about. That's about two million people. Um, so there's there's absolutely some major impacts. And then of course, if you go further down the road, you you, you uh, default on on your debt, you probably head into a full fledged recession. Unemployment goes up. You know, it's just it's really all around bad bad effects if we actually do do. Well, I mean, it's it's a rub, man, because you and I are both fiscal conservatives, and we want this we want this thing reined in. I mean, it's it's got to get reined in at some point. We we have literally since the time you were in D.C., the national debt has more than tripled. We went from fourteen point five trillion in two thousand eleven when they were actually negotiating for cuts. And we came up with sequestration and kind of slowed some things down. 
to all of a sudden, shabam, we're at almost thirty-one trillion, and um, and I look at it and go, okay, so what's what's the answer here? We can't we can't not pay the credit card bill because we don't feel like it. You still got to pay it, but then at the same time, you and I in our households, we would just decide not to buy that pizza or not to go buy a new TV. We would have to make our own cuts in order to pay the credit card bill. Am I making it too simplistic? Right. You, do, you would you would do whatever you had, and, and really, if you think about it, not that long ago, I, I think it was two thousand. Uh, the U.S. government had a balanced budget, and yet 22 years ago, 23 years ago, that's a long time, but it's really not that long of a time ago in in the history of government. Um, Until recently, we had never had a deficit over a trillion dollars, and and now it's the norm. We're projected to have them for the next 10 years, and and on and on. It rose to $3 trillion during during COVID, Um, and and it's not sustainable. People have been saying this for, for a long time, but nobody ever seems to do anything about it. We just keep having these debates every 18 or, you know, 24 months and, and kick the, the can further down the road and and really nothing happens. So, you know, the, the good thing about this current debt limit debate is it is a chance to, to really make some good policy changes, to find ways to, uh, to cut spending and, and get control of some of these programs that are really driving federal spending. Um, but but conservatives are going to have to hold strong, and they're going to have to be willing to you know go to the brink of of a, of a default to do that. Probably, um, you know, it's going to be kind of a matter of who who budges first on this, and uh, you know who knows at this point. But but you know, I think for the sake of the country, we need to get cuts implemented, and yeah. uh, this is a great chance to do that. Well, I, I agree, and uh, and I guess you know to be clear, you mentioned conservatives, and there's a vast difference between uh, being a Republican and being a conservative sometimes. And so this this debt that we're carrying right now um, has as many Republican signatures on that debt as it does Democrats. It's the conservative wing of the Republican Party that is resisting this. Right, you know, uh, spending growth is it's really a bipartisan issue in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, when it comes time to sign appropriations bills, there's, there's not too many people pushing for cutting spending, and that's what needs to change. And really, it's just it, it's it's not about maybe even what some of these uh, politicians want. It's what's best for the country, and yeah. you know we simply can't continue. I, I was looking at this a, a day or two ago. Uh, right now, the debt is about a hundred thousand dollars for every American. I mean, that's just wow. That's just crazy. And as you said, it's just you know completely gone out of control in the last. Uh, decade and and nobody seems willing to, to stand up and, and do anything about it not in a serious way and, and I guess the last thing here with about a minute to go um, at the state level Alabama does have a balanced budget requirement in our state constitution so we have to balance our budgets every year it may mean increased spending which is sometimes you know not not good either but at the very least it still has to balance we can't we can't go into deficit spending um, and, and then at the same time though we also have a rainy day fund where we're setting money aside is there anything like a rainy day fund at the national level? I don't think there is. No, it's really just borrow more money. And then when you get in a situation like this where you, where you can't borrow anymore, it's when you come to the edge of this uh, disaster or calamity or, or however you want to put it. So, no, there's, there's no reserve funds uh, at the federal level. You know, as we said, the Treasury can do certain kind of accounting tricks and, and put, push money around on paper so that they buy themselves a little bit more time. That's what they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, but eventually – we're going to have to cut spending and raise the debt limit. Oh, all right. Well, Justin, I appreciate it, man. I knew you'd bring some, some great color commentary. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have, and I appreciate the fact that numbers guys out there can actually talk and not just talk numbers. But um, um, thanks for your time, buddy. We appreciate it.
Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. That was Justin Bogey, fiscal analyst for the Alabama Policy Institute. Spent time on the Hill at the Heritage Foundation and in Montgomery. And uh, does also does fiscal reporting for 1819 News. So, yeah. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back and put a, put a cap on this thing. I got a couple more pieces to talk about. And then we'll go on to a number two in the Triple Dipper on a Friday afternoon. Bowing up. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right making it cool to be a conservative so let's wrap this section up here we're talking about raising the debt ceiling raising the roof i call this um so i i gotta say kevin mccarthy he's got his work cut out for him uh speaker of the house he's you know treading water right now he's got a conservative minority that's doing what it can to try and bring those policies that he promised he'd be a part of uh into play not everybody's on board. I mean, we've already got articles here that I've gone over today that talk about moderate Republicans that are trying to sort of smooth things over with the Democrats and, and get themselves a workable solution that moderates and Democrats like. I'm saying, no, don't do it. Luckily, we got Kevin McCarthy on the record saying that's not where we're headed. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the media and, and, and my gosh, I mean, the way they've been describing this thing, it's apocalyptic. Now, it could be bad. As McCarthy's trying to herd cats, he has a Senate that's providing no cover whatsoever. And individual senators might say something, but where's McConnell? Have you heard McConnell say he's going to, I'm going to join with the Speaker of the House, and we're going to make sure that we cut spend. No, he hadn't said boo about it. You know why? Because he's a big spend, moderate Republican. And then, of course, the White House is run by Biden. So, we're looking at right now the White House is refusing to negotiate on the debt ceiling. They don't want to cut spending. Not at all. They love spending. They like printing more money. Story here on the Hill. White House refusing to negotiate on the debt ceiling, which is a risky position that Democrats think is a political winner because, you know, people like it when money floods into their coffers. Well, that only happens if the government spends the money. Well, that only happens if the government borrows more money to spend. So it's taken the position that you won't negotiate will allow Republicans to argue that a refusal by the White House to discuss spending cuts means President Biden is not acting in the public's interest. So it's a, that's what he's got away here. But White House officials and Democrats believe they have more leverage because they don't think the, Democrat, the, the Republicans have it in them. There, there's that. They also believe they have history. There have been a number of what they call clean debt ceiling hikes. Clean debt ceiling hikes means you didn't have to cut spending. You just raised the debt and moved on. That's what they want. They want a clean bill. We want a clean bill. We'll debate cuts with you later. Let's do a clean bill right now to get us over the hump. No. Where's the leverage in that? Back in 2011, you heard Justin Bogie and I talking about it. Uh, Speaker John Boehner at the time, President Obama at the time, and the right wing, which was the Tea Party folks uh, at the time, were, were really pushing for some cuts. And it, it took some doing. But what's funny is then Vice President Biden... Help with the negotiations, 
and was able to see cuts come into place that actually balanced the budget for a period of time and cut spending. And now he doesn't want to do it. So I tell you what, I'll end with this. The last piece I've got, I've got several more, but I'm not going to get to them. I've, I've kind of said it already. But Fox News, Stephen Moore, the fiscal guy from FreedomWorks, Stephen Moore says, of all the reforms that were secured by the conservative rabble-rousers earlier this month, arguably the most momentous one was the promise that Republicans made not to pass any debt ceiling increases until budget reforms had been secured. He says government spending last year hit 13 figures, $1.4 trillion. And without budget reforms, we could easily see a decade ahead with another $10 trillion continuing to be added to the debt. $10 trillion more. Can you imagine? And he says, don't forget, every one percentage point rise in the interest rates raises the debt by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great point. When the Federal Reserve goes in there and raises the rates, it also impacts our national debt. Great point. Thank you, President Biden. So, so budget hawks and those concerned should be applauding this commitment that we've got from conservatives. But the New York Times, he says, hyperventilated that breaching the debt limit would lead to the first ever default, creating financial chaos. Oh, listen, he says this is upside-down logic. The nation's good credit standing in the global markets is not imperiled by not passing a debt ceiling. The much bigger danger, he says, is that Congress does extend the debt ceiling, but without any reforms. He said, we just experienced one painful repercussion of runaway government spending, a 40-year inflation high. And he points out that after those 2011 negotiations that I told you about a moment ago, that we, we, we literally saw three years later I take it back. Part of this goes back to 1985, the Grand Rubman Act of 1985. It put things on a spending diet. And that three years after that, it's the only time we haven't seen a deficit in the last 50 years. And then in 2011, we had the House Republicans leveraging more. He says the lesson is clear. If we were to make any progress on reducing the debt crisis, that Speaker Kevin McCarthy must use the debt ceiling vote as a bargaining chip and not give it away. All right, enough on that. Wow. And I, and I go back to the, the easy way to describe this is you and I would sit down at the kitchen table and say, can we afford to do this? I don't know that we can. Or can we afford to do this? Yes, we can. Or here's some one-time money. Let's use it to pay down our debt. Or for that matter, here's some one-time money. Let's buy that thing that we wanted, but we didn't want to borrow money to get. We would make those decisions. In D.C., they don't make those decisions. They just keep spending. And it's got to come down to a stop. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, going next to Bowen Up. Y'all stay tuned.